Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to The Great Retention with Camber Parker, sponsored by The Yo Prono. I'm Camber, your young professional expert and founder of The Yo Prono, where we bring you the answers you need to know about how to hire and retain the best talent, starting with the young professionals you work with. There's a lot of young professional fish in the sea, as I like to say, but how do you catch them? And what do you do once you reel them in? That's where we come in. Today, I am so excited to have Julie Brown joining us, principal and founder of JBBD, joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. Julie, so excited you're here. It's going to be a fun time. You're a fun person. I know we have yet to meet in person, so this is our, our you know second time virtually. I'm so excited to have you, and, and we've got a great show ahead of you for people who are listening and watching. But first, Julie mm-hmm. and I actually connected through a guest from last season who y'all might remember seeing, Lindsay mcmillan Steeman of McMillian Consulting, and any friend of Lindsay's is a friend of mine. Um, I think you guys actually met for the first time recently after being friends for, for several years at a conference, so that's yeah. really cool. I want to plug that and, and shout out to Lindsay for connecting us. So when we connected virtually earlier this year, I felt that what you could share with our audience about the power of networking was so valuable. And that's why you're here today. A few things to note about Julie is she is an author, networking coach, podcast host, and keynote speaker. I can't wait to dive into all of this today and how she is looking at external and internal networks and how that can help your business retention plans. More on this in a moment, but Julie, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is my favorite thing to talk about. And if you couldn't tell, again, I mentioned she's a podcast host. She came prepared. She's got her own mic there for recording purposes. Oh, I take it it everywhere. I take it to the deli. I mean, I'm like, (laughs) I would like three slices of ham. (laughs) I love it. It's very, very official. You wouldn't visit around with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to start, Julie, with what we like to call a lightning round. So just answer in a couple sentences or less, and then we're going to jump into the main topic for today. But first, tell us something that is not on your resume. I am addicted to true crime podcasts. One of those. That's great. Um, yes, I, I am like one of those. I wish we could expand more, but this is a lightning round. So now that's, that's all we need to know. Um, what is your favorite modern workplace tool? I actually don't know if it's modern, but my favorite workplace tool to get shit done is a thing called the Pomodoro technique. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. You want to explain I that? It's, it's I, I know what it is, but if you want to explain it to people who are who are listening, yeah, it might be good. So it's basically almost like time blocking. It's like if you have something that you want to work on and be distracted, you set a timer for 25 minutes and you work undistracted on that one thing for 25 minutes. And then when that timer goes off, you take a five minute break and then you set another timer for 25 minutes. And for me on days when I really have to get a lot done, mm-hmm. This time blocking, this Pomodoro technique really helps me get a lot done and not be distracted by other things that could possibly distract me, text messages, emails, whatever. Mm-hmm. Great. I love that. Um, and something that I, I wish I did a better job of. So maybe I should rethink <laughs> how I'm time blocking. Can you tell us about a lesson that you learned as a young professional? Yeah. One of my first bosses told me that I needed to get involved in industry organizations as soon as possible. So I was probably 23 or 24 and she had me sign up for industry organizations so that I would meet people in the industry outside of my company. Mm -hmm. And that was pivotal for me. And that was one of the best pieces of advice I got. Awesome. I love that. Please give us a little bit more background on you. So something that I might not have covered in the intro, which, you know, was very short. Give us a little bit more background Mm -hmm. and then we'll dive into this topic of young professionals and networking. 
Yeah. So my, what you did talk about in my bio was everything that I do professionally. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of something that we fall on as Americans. We define ourselves as what our profession is. So I'm going to tell you about me that has some things about me that have nothing to do with the profession I'm in. Yeah. And I actually have this in my book. It's a tool I use called the list yourself approach. And so if I was going to describe myself, not having anything to do with networking or keynoting, I would say that I'm a a wife, a dog mom, a skier, a marathon runner, um, a wine snob, a world traveler. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned the True Crime podcast yep. obsession. Um, I'm also ad- addicted to my Peloton. Um, let's see, I'm a bourbon enthusiast. <laughs> I'm like all of these great things yeah. that are things you can talk to about people mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with what I do for a living. Yeah, I am that's s- more interesting, honestly. It is. It is, and I'm so happy that that you shared that. And again when I look up these intros, it is professional based. And when you're at a dinner party, when you're out in in socializing, if you meet a new person, it's always, what do you do? Never, never. What do you do personally? Um, What makes you excited? And so I love that you, you took that angle. So thank you. And that makes me, uh, that makes me like you even more. I already liked you, but that's really (laughs) cool to kind of know that personal side. So let's now get into the, the, the piece that does uh, fill your professional time. Walk us through your work with clients and audiences to paint a picture of how you help them network better and be their own best development tool, business development tool, I should say. Sure. So the truth is that people do business with and refer business to people they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And the more people you know, the more people can help you, can work with you for strategic introductions, referrals for if it's internally, which we're going to talk about for push projects and Mm -hmm. promotions. So the more people you know, the the better chances you have of success. And so the thing about networking is, is everybody thinks you're supposed to, you're either good or bad at it, Mm -hmm. that it's not a skill you can get better at, but there's nothing in life or in business that we wouldn't have a plan for, that we wouldn't have a framework for, that we wouldn't work on getting better at. And, but everybody thinks if they're not good at networking on their first event, then they're just not good at networking. So I dismantle that. There's also a lot of, you know, sort of bad feelings about networking in this sort of way, this, the antiquated ways in which people used to network, which was like, I'd go to a room full of people I don't know. And I try to get in as many business cards as possible. Mm -hmm. Like that is such an antiquated way of looking at networking where, why don't we look at it more strategically? Why don't we say, who should I be connected to? What rooms should I be in? How can I connect with people on a human level? How can I build relationships that get to know, like, and trust. So I have a greater, um, you know, I have a greater, you know, percentage or ability for success. Mm -hmm. Networks will give you competitive advantages Mm -hmm. full stop. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's never too early to start building a network. You should start it when you're in high school. You should start it when you're in college. It's never too early to build a network. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And um, it's really cool that you are able to dismantle this and then uh, make Mm -hmm. a profession out of it. Right. And, and really being strategic is critical to your networking, but way too often people have that vision of networking being what you just said, going in and and handing out business cards. And that is antiquated. Thank thank goodness. Um, Because I didn't love that, that type of networking either. Um, But let's, let's move into, you know, talking about 
the concept of external and internal networks and sure. its impact that, or well, let's, well, first let's start by talking about that. And then I want to talk about mm. its impact on onboarding and retention yeah. of young professional talent. This was a really yeah. cool conversation that we had when we first connected. And I, I want to learn more yeah. about this concept of external and internal networking. And then uh, we'll talk more about some of your own research that you're seeing. So please share yeah. as much as you'd like on that. Yeah. So for years, I've been teaching the importance of external networking. So networking in your industry, creating clusters around you of people. So these are people in my industry. These are my friends. These are for recent graduates. These are my alumni connections, especially alumni connections within the school, like my professors or my coaches, like that external network that you've created. Mm-hmm. And for years, I mean, for seven years, I've been teaching the importance of creating external networks. But now that we're dealing, and that is so super important, okay? Those people building, uh, you know, circles of people around you who are invested in your success, who can help you be successful is so, so super important. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to diminish the importance of the external networks and what they will do for you um, in your career. But as you mentioned, um, the studies that I'm doing now are on the importance of internal networks. And this came to me um, as an idea because of how, honestly, honestly, how much it costs companies for employee turnover. Right. And the cost to replace an employee is, you know, this is between 16 and 213% of their salary. Mm-hmm. So, it, so say an average firm of a hundred people paying $50,000 salaries that translates into about 660,000 to $2.3 million mm-hmm. of turnover per year. Mm-hmm. And we also know that I know that we're talking, you you primarily um, work with Gen Z, but Mm -hmm. millennials are the largest Mm -hmm. workforce right now. And millennials on average only spend 2.8 years per uh, at each office that they're in at each company that they're with. Mm -hmm. And it's not because millennials are job hoppers. It's because we've taught them, the Mm -hmm. older generations have taught them that if they want more money, if they want to have a voice that's heard, if they want to fit into the culture, then they need to change companies. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at that and I was saying, well, why aren't people fitting in? Why aren't people succeeding? Why are people feeling like they need to leave? The studies showed that one of the biggest factors for new employee success was the building of broad internal networking structures within the company that they work in. Mm. And this should be a part of an onboarding system. And the research that I've done has showed that only 20% of companies who onboard new hires actually have frameworks within their onboarding that support creating internal networking structures. So 80% of the companies are actually turning a blind eye to this one factor Mm. that is so important in employee success and retention. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, you just shared a lot of important data. What are you? Yeah, sorry. It was a lot. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't apologize. I'm, I'm really happy that you shared all of this and, and you're right. Millennials do make up the biggest part of the workforce right now. And and that's, I mean, young professionals is 21 to 39. So we're really looking at Gen Z and millennials that really fall in that range, which obviously, as you know, there are many life stages in that 21 to 39 range. Um, So I think it's really important to have this internal component. And can you define more for for listeners and watchers of the the episode? what What does it mean for companies to create these internal networks? What does that mean? 
So there's a lot of different ways we can create internal networks. And the first thing I want to talk about is setting up new hires for success. Like don't don't make their first day in the office all about paperwork that could have been done, you know, electronically prior to setting up the office to welcome that new mm. employee. If you did it based on so I'm I talked about the list yourself approach. If you had every new hire fill out that list yourself approach paperwork so that when they came in, it wasn't like Joe is starting on his first day and he's a project manager. It's all those things about Joe. And so Mm -hmm. everybody in the office who has things that are in common with Joe Mm -hmm. are encouraged to come and talk to them about the things they have in common. So that when Joe is walking around the office as the new hire, people are like, oh my God, I read your list yourself. Like, let's talk about this. I love that. Like setting up relationship building from the start. Mm -hmm. Um, 68% of people studies show that 68% of people are unhappy with the amount of social connection they have with their coworkers. Mm. Well, this can help mitigate that. Mm. So that's a very, very easy one. Yeah. The second one would be to create employee resource groups for the various people within your company. Mm-hmm. And so you can have employee resource groups for, for women, for LGBTQ, for Latinx, for, for your employees with disabilities, like creating resource groups where people have, where this is great because we're going to talk a little bit about this, but this also brings in cross silo communication mm-hmm. and relationship building because not all of your people, your, your, your women or your Latinx community within your company are in the same silo. So it's great for cross silo communication. Mm-hmm. The thing with employee resource groups is it's really important that somebody within leadership is a part of that resource group, that they have a leadership advocate within that resource group so that they're giving they're given time in a budget and a framework to be really, really successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, another part would be to actually uh, you put in frameworks for cross silo um, relationship building, which would be whenever a new hire comes in, give them one person they have outside of their, their work, you know, silo within the office that they should meet with and get to know. Mm -hmm. And then that person's job based off of their conversation is to say, okay, the next person you need to meet is this person Mm -hmm. and set that up. So it's like every other week they're meeting people across silos and across um, leadership levels Mm -hmm. within the company. Mm -hmm. And so it it becomes a two-way street. It's not just the person seeking out who within this office do I need to know. Mm -hmm. It's you're given that first person. And then based off of that, conversation and what comes out of that conversation say, okay, this is the next person you should talk to. Right. I love that. Um, how, how cool is it that as humans, we get to communicate, right? But as employers, mm-hmm. when we spend most of our time at, at work, sometimes it, you can feel like the communication or the network is not there. And it's such an opportunity for employers to create these these opportunities and these networks. And so, yeah. again, really amazing that there are people like you who can help them do that. Um, so talking about connections now and, and kind of pivoting away from just the internal and external, and we'll get back to that. But in a recent conversation that you and I had, you had mentioned that the more connections someone has at work, the more likely they are to stay. A lot of what you just shared, yeah. you know, talks on that. Can you elaborate on this a little bit more? And again, we're just looking at the listeners of the show who are business owners, business leaders that are looking for better Mm -hmm. tools to recruit and retain talent. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit more and and give some of those tactical tips that they can take with them? Yeah. So again, I'm going to point back to the studies here. Mm -hmm. So the studies suggest that when people have friends at work, they are 
less likely to be burned out. They are more invested in their projects. They're most invest, more invested in the company because their friends work there. So, I mean, it's very simple in that sense that when we are, when we trust our coworkers and when we like our coworkers and we have friendships with our coworkers, we tend to stay with the same company. Mm-hmm. So a study said actually that if a person has one true friend in an office, they're 85% more likely to stay with that office than to leave. Wow. And we have a culture, yeah, we have a culture of quiet quitting now and we have a culture of burnout and having social connections within the office and and the office making it a priority that social connection and well-being is part of the culture of the company actually helps people stay within that company. Mm -hmm. And this isn't actually even about retention right now. Yes, it will help your retention right now, but you know, we've had a declining birth rate since the 1970s and millennials are having are the lowest birth rate um, of all of the generations. Mm -hmm. So if you think it's hard to maintain, you know, attract and maintain talent now, wait 20 years when we have a precipitous drop in the birth rate. Mm -hmm. So let's get this stuff right now. Absolutely. (laughs) And this also, and I didn't actually even think about this till right now, but this also is what is really important about having the ERGs, especially ERGs for, for, you know, the Latinx community or BIPOC Mm -hmm. community, because because of the declining birth rate, we Mm -hmm. actually don't, we will not have enough Mm -hmm. um, people to fill the, you know, the talent pool. Mm -hmm. And we are, we as a country will be depending on immigrant talent to Mm -hmm. come in and Mm -hmm. fill the the gaps that we have. Mm -hmm. So making sure that your company is really, really um, successful in welcoming those, um, People's from ve- people from varied backgrounds and people mm-hmm. who are new to the country will be super, super important for your ability yeah. to succeed in the future. Absolutely. All such important points. One thing I want to kind of throw a curveball at you and ask mm-hmm. is connections are so, so critical as we have talked about, you know, for the length of this entire episode, what does hybrid and remote work how how is that impacted? Because obviously all the things you're talking about can really reach its max capacity in an office or its max potential. Yeah. But how does that work? Is it is it transferred into remote work too? So I think we're still figuring this out. Um, but a lot of the framework that I'm coming up with for internal networking is it is a framework that can be done um, in a hybrid environment as well. Mm-hmm. So endearing your new hires to the existing, you know, company with the the pre-questions and and bringing that person in as a whole person and having the people get to know them on the first day and setting up time for that, Mm -hmm. that can be done over Zoom. Is it the same? Is is there a tactile element to it? No, but it can still be done over Zoom. Mm -hmm. Those coffees that I suggested where Mm -hmm. you are given one person and that one person tells the other, says this is the next person Mm -hmm. that you need to meet with, that Mm -hmm. can all be done virtually as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And I'm in in my research that I'm doing right now for hybrid companies trying to build these cross collaborate cross silo collaborations and relationships is it's actually really important to for perhaps once a year to have a corporate retreat mm-hmm. so that bring all of the varied offices together and the people who work in a, in um, virtual at home offices bring them mm-hmm. all together for one event mm-hmm. a year so that everybody is together that that bit of time whether it's two days three days that that kind of time together 
where people get to meet each other from all the different offices that they've only heard their voice or just seen them on Zoom is so super important. Mm -hmm. And yes, this does cost money. It costs money to put together an event, Mm -hmm. um, especially if it's done well and you're Mm -hmm. flying everybody into a location. Mm But it could be a great marketing tool for your company as well. So not only are you building relationships with your with your um, through your employees, but it's a marketing tool for new talent um, acquisition. Mm -hmm. But also you could use it as a tool to say, we're going to bring in our clients and we're going to have our clients talk about what they love about working with us. Mm -hmm. And people who, you know, we have big accounts, but not everybody in the office gets to work with them. They get to see them and talk to them Mm -hmm. and it's, I think thinking about things like that, that, mm-hmm. only, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a big multi-million dollar company to do this. You can have a one day retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really, really important mm-hmm. if you have, you know, hybrid workforce mm-hmm. to have this, this time set aside where everybody comes together. Yeah. I just facilitated, um, a, a list yourself exercise with a company. They had seven offices across the country. Mm-hmm. They flew them all into Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And most of the people had never met. They'd only mm-hmm. emailed each other. There was never faces to names. And this, it was so wonderful seeing them all to co- come together as a cohesive unit. Yeah. I, I think that like, the marketing exposure, like you said, and also if you don't do this, if you don't like, yes, it's expensive, but if you don't do this to your point earlier, the expense yeah. of, of turnover is, is much higher. So again, it's, yeah. it's very important to do this and uh, going back to, so thank you for covering that. I'm happy that you answered the way that you did. I would have been happy either way, but you can okay. still do these, these things and, and have positive, strong internal networks. Yeah in a hybrid environment. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. my next question is about something that we found in our latest Yo Prono report, which I know that, that you received and uh, yeah. hybrid is obviously a, a, the number one factor that most young professionals are looking for when they're talking about workplace mm-hmm. culture right now in our report, we also found that young professionals don't care as much about making friends at work. It was something that was not as important to them. And so how does this play into our conversation? Because I hear you. I, I hear what you're talking about. If somebody has one true friend, they're 85% more likely to stay in that position. Um, but we found with some of the young professionals we were we were looking and speaking to, they didn't feel like that was the number one thing. So what do you make of that? Yeah. You know, when I read your, uh, when I read your report, I was actually shocked by it because mm-hmm. all of the studies that I have done, mm-hmm. um, have pointed to a different answer for right. that. So I've been thinking about like, what, what could possibly be the difference here? Mm-hmm. And I think maybe there is this, and I don't know, I'm speculating mm-hmm. here. So please, I'm speculating. Yeah. Like when I was younger, mm-hmm. I didn't care so much about my friendships at work because I had mm-hmm. so many friends. Like I was just out of college. Mm-hmm. I had so many friends mm-hmm. and those became more and more important as I got older. Mm-hmm. And there is a statistic that the average older American mm-hmm. over 40 hasn't made a new friend in more mm-hmm. than five years. Mm-hmm. And that is, wow. that is adding to the loneliness epidemic. And Mm -hmm. I'm 47. And I know that as you get older, you do, you aren't in touch with as many friends. It's harder to stay in touch with friends. So I think this is something that happens as you get older. So when I was thinking about it like that, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. by that at Mm -hmm. this point. However, 
when you do, I think there's something to be said for social connection in the office. So maybe you don't consider them your friends. So maybe there's like a barrier Mm. here in your mind about what is a friend? How do you define a friend? So maybe we're not defining them as friends. Maybe they're social connections. And the truth is social connections build trust in teams. And so it's really hard to work with people you don't trust. Mm -hmm. So maybe we shouldn't call it friendships. Maybe we should say, okay, we're building trust and camaraderie within the offices. And I think that's what leads Mm -hmm. to really effective teams. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was fun. I was so taken back by that. I was like, oh God, how am I going to talk about this now? Well, I knew that was something, you know, in our our first conversation, I remember asking you that and I was like, this is worth a a longer conversation. So thank you for kind of doing your your homework and thinking through that because my my guess is is the same as yours you know you were not in your studies you're not just looking at young professionals right so I, I think that your answer about age is a hundred percent spot on and yeah. I think that you know if if we change the question to you look for trust and you look for that connection at work, the numbers, the the answers could look very different. So I think to your point, um, something that we see a lot on our show when we have people come in is, yes, uh, there's so many tips out there that can help you in your recruiting and retention efforts. But at the end of the day, that personal touch and humanness is so important. And so Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that's where we can come together. Absolutely. But I I don't want you to think that I was, you know, saying my, my research is right and yours is wrong. I think that there's just that, that meeting in the middle. And I I really appreciate you doing your homework on that. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by it. So I am too. And, uh, and again, I, that's why I want to keep this, this relationship going and and seeing the more data that you find and, and see how we can collaborate Mm -hmm. in that space. So, Julie, as we wrap things up today, we've covered a lot in a short period of time. Um, As the growing number of young professionals enter the workforce and we see Gen X and baby boomers beginning to retire, where do you see the biggest opportunities for networking? And I'll I'll also interject here, you know, you've already touched on the fact Mm -hmm. that we, we know that there in 20 years, they're not going to be as many people in the workforce because we yeah. know that young professionals are not reproducing like the previous generation. Mm-hmm. So where are the biggest opportunities here? So I would say it's really, be really strategic about it. There are opportunities everywhere. I think it is really, you know, it's people think I can only network in this one place or this one thing. And every person you meet is a potential person in your network. It doesn't matter if you're walking down the street and they have a dog and you have a dog and you start talking to each other. Like networking can happen everywhere. Um, The thing about it is about being really strategic about following up and fostering those relationships. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to sort of pinpoint a little bit more, I would say, look at your industry the industry that you're in, wherever, whatever that is, the tech industry, the science industry, the built world, there's always organizations available to you, numbers of organizations available to you. Mm-hmm. And so think about what am I really passionate about in my industry? And is there an organization that serves that passion mm-hmm. where I can meet other people mm-hmm. in the industry with the same sort of direct passion about this part of my industry. I said it at the top of the interviews. Like I had a boss who said, you're going to join an industry organization and that industry organization changed my life. Mm. And still now, I mean, I don't know how many years later it's been 25 years later, that industry organization um, that I used to be a part of now hires me to speak around the country. So like 25 years later, that organization is still a part of my network. And those women and men that I met 25 years ago 
we've all grown up and we all own our own companies or mm-hmm. presidents of large companies or CFOs. And to have that network of people mm-hmm. that I grew up in the industry with, yeah. it, it just it can't be it can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so amazing. So I would say my biggest advice was like mm-hmm. find one, you know, find something in your industry that you're that you're interested in and get involved in that organization. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to to wrap up this episode. Julie, is there anything mm-hmm. that you want to share that we have not covered today? No, I mean, maybe just, I'm sure you'll get to it, but if people want to reach out to me and connect to me or have any questions, how they can connect with me, um, I don't know if you put that at the end, but yeah, well, we'll it. make sure that people get access to your LinkedIn, to all of your social channels, mm-hmm. and we'll make sure we plug your website, your book, your podcast. Yeah. And I uh, sure. definitely want to rec- recommend everybody who's who's listening or watching, if you're a business leader um, or not, not even if you're not a business leader too, to <laughs> reach out, learn more about Julie. She's really an incredible force in her in her industry, and I mean that um, is a huge compliment. You know, you're really doing amazing things. So. I'm honored that you chose to be on the show. Thanks so much, Julie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you again for joining us on The Great Retention with Camber Parker. Before you go, remember this. Young professionals make up nearly half of the workforce today and are expected to jump at a rapid pace in this decade. What will you do to help them become the great leaders we need for our future? Join us next time for more information on how to recruit and retain young professional talent. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others know where to find episodes about this topic and more. And one last thing, don't forget to share it with your coworkers. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for joining us on the show. 